And welcome to this edition of G220 Radio. My name is Mike, and this is episode number 533. And we're going to be talking about Proverbs 16, verses 1 through 18. Pride before destruction. It should be a good episode. Ricky, what's going on? Hey, not much, man. I'm really looking forward to this uh, continuing in our Proverbs series because there's nothing more important than what we want to do here on G220 Radio than to get into the Bible, to look at the Bible. You know, um, there's so much wisdom in the book of Proverbs that it really does give us some insight. It, it helps us throughout our life as we are walking through this walk as a Christian, uh, growing in our sanctification. It really helps us if we apply this wisdom that we take from the book of Proverbs. And so as we are going through this and we're looking at what the Bible is saying here and then thinking about how we can apply that, uh, I think it can be beneficial and helpful. And I do pray and hope that it is encouraging and edifying to those who view it. And so, um, hey, let us know. If you've got any feedback, got any questions for G220 Radio, you can email us at g220radio at gmail.com. Again, that's g220radio at gmail.com. And we always love your feedback. So you can send it to us there. And we have guest co-hosting with us tonight, my friend, Michael Williams over here. He is going to be going through the Proverbs with us. As Mike said, Proverbs one or 16 verses one through 18. And so Michael, welcome to the program, brother. Tell us about yourself. Uh, how you doing? Uh, my name is uh, Michael Williams. I am um, just a regular guy. I'm a guy who believes and loves the Lord Jesus Christ. I happen to be um, a uh, YouTuber, part-time, uh, graphic designer, husband, uh, father of five, uh, p- pastor, and uh, that's it. I'm just here to, uh, you know, be honored to be uh, in the presence of these guys who've been doing this for a long time, a lot longer than I. So I'm hoping to gleam as much wisdom and knowledge uh, from them as I can while I'm here. So thank you. Yeah, we are definitely glad to have you on the program with us tonight. Uh, as I said, we like to do this. We like to bring on a friend, bring on a brother in Christ, um, someone as we work through the book of Proverbs. This is what we've been trying to do is bring people on when we can uh, and work through the book. And so that's what we're going to do here tonight. We're just going to kind of read and go through it. Now, now I get it. Sometimes we try to go through verse by verse and it can be difficult to, you know, because some of these do bleed together and you're going to see bookends. Like even when you look at verses one through nine, you see this kind of goes together. You got a bookend, uh, you got verse one and verse nine going together. And this here is is referring to this uh, plans of man as opposed to compared to the, the, the sovereignty of God. And then you go into uh, verses 10 through 15 and you're you're dealing with referring and speaking about these kings and then you go into the the second or the third portion of that. Uh, I wrote it down here, um, verses sixteen through nineteen. And you got this wisdom against opposed to this wealth, like you know, wisdom and wealth. And so that's what we're going to be kind of trying to work through. We're going to do our best to go verse by verse and get as fast or get as far as we can through this, uh, uh, working through this chapter. And we understand, we know sometimes it goes uh, longer than we think. And so we may go a little bit over, and if, if hopefully that's okay with, with our guest Michael here with us tonight. Um, he, he's out there in, in uh, I think he's like three hours behind us, so he's got a lot of evening left for him. So Yes, I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah a whole lot, yeah. A whole lot. <laughs> All right, so let's get go ahead and get into this. We think about Proverbs 16, and uh, this very verse, f- first verse, it says to us, and I'm reading from the ESV, 
It says, the plans of the heart belong to man, but the answers of the tongue is from the Lord. And I think that's, it's, sometimes it's just plain and it's clear there, but there also can be some tension sometimes when you're reading and you're trying to figure these things out. And you look at the plans of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. And we think about, I think about, maybe you guys do too. I don't know what we'll, we'll get your insights in it in a minute. <clears throat> Excuse me. But I think about the first cause and second cause of things, God being the first cause of all things, while yet still seeing the responsibility that man has, even in things. So man is trying to plan out the, the things that belong into his heart or the desires of his heart, what he's, what he's wanting to do. But yet it is God, as we will even see later, who ordains those steps, who then gives the man the words to speak. As he is planning and thinking through things, it is God ultimately who's uh, bringing these things to, um, to be within his will, so to speak. Mike or Mike, anyone want to add to that, jump in, and any other comments you'd like to throw on that? Um, yeah, I think this is – I watched a lot of your previous shows, and so I think we've, we've already established that, you know, how the Proverbs are to be read and how they are to be applied, um, specifically in the eyes of one who is a God-fearing individual regarding a lot of the wisdom here um, – <clears throat> I, I, I like the fact that, you know, in saying that the plans of the heart belong to the man and that, the, you know, in the Hebrew for the word um, answer, it, it usually imp would imply that there's been a request or a question there or something. So I, I like I like that we start out by, to me, uh, engaging in some type of relationship or some type of interaction between man and God and also showing in the verse that there may be um, our own individual um, plans that we have in our own heart and in our own mind and in our own will that God will have maybe a different answer to. And so I think we are going to be dealing with how our conduct should be and dealing with how, um, how things are be lined up with the Lord and how we always don't hit the mark, but sometimes we kind of maybe get ahead of the cart and I, I know we're not big on, uh, at least not necessarily not big on the, the titles, but we know from at least the titles in most of the modern Bibles, it's just going to be talking about how the upright act versus the wicked. Mm -hmm. So I love that the writer starts out with, with here's, here's the initial contrast. You and your heart have one plan, but the answer or the reply from the tongue of the, is going to be from the Lord. Mm -hmm. And I also see where with Lord being all capitalized, being the, the, the term of the Israelite God, Yahweh, I think it's going to be more personal. So I think it's going to be relational throughout this text. So I, I love that initial contrast starting in chapter uh, 16. Yeah. Mike? Yeah, I think you see it. Um, obviously, the heart and the tongue are connected. Jesus makes this in whatever comes out of the mouth, it comes from the heart. I think when we think about our plans, when we say yes and no to things, that is God kind of sovereignty working on it. We may plan what we want to do. We'll, we'll see this even a little bit later. Um, but our the answer is from the Lord, his sovereign rule over how we move about those plans that we've partaken. I think there's also this 
you know, with the plan, something that is thought out. It's also not a rash idea. Amen. Yeah. All right, so number verse number two here. Uh, all the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirit. Mike, you want to jump on that one first? Yeah, I think we let's just let's just use the Bible. Let's think about the first two kings of Israel's history. The king that the Israelites wanted, a king like the nations in Saul. He thinking there's routinely he thinks he's doing the right thing. And he keeps getting rebuked by Samuel from God. But what's what's different with David? Well, David is a man after God's own heart. God looks beyond the appearances. And so I think it really, when we start thinking about this kind of proverb is played out in 1 Samuel, that we may act in a way that we think is right and pure, we might think we have righteous anger when we get angry at something. But do remember that the Lord knows all things. There is nothing hidden from God, as the Boys and Girls Catechism would say. Mm. And that the Lord weighs the spirit. He tests the spirit. He knows our thoughts. And that should then bring and consider is are our actions really pure in God's sight? Are we, according to the power given to us by the Spirit, are we acting in accordingly to godliness? Or is there some sin that may be inflicting with it, whether in kind of in anger and how we act in anger, or even if we're passive on something, the, the two spectrums? So I think this this really considers makes us think about are my actions truly pure before God or will God find fault in them? Um, knowing that maybe sometimes we don't, we won't know. And even though we strive to honor the Lord in all that we do. Yeah. And, and people, they will, they'll be able to rationalize just about almost any kind of behavior as they strive to justify themselves. Right. But as it says, the Lord weighs the heart. He weighs those, the, what is true. He knows the intentions and the motives of our heart. Michael? Um, and what is stands out to me, I, I'm a guy that just does a lot of um, uh, observation and try to do like word studies and stuff like that. I, I, I like how um, it contrasts between the estimation of your ways, right, but it says that the Lord evaluates or the Lord actually um, takes into account your spirit, your motives um, in your translation spirit. It's the same word as Ruach, the, the spirit that we refer to in, in, in a lot of the Old Testament. It's like your, your physical uh, purpose for doing something in your own eyes may be clean. Your outward mm-hmm. appearance may look clean. Your, um, your demeanor may be calm. You may be putting on the greatest facade in the world, but the, the almighty ruler of the universe, right, will look right through past all of that and will weigh your spirit and weigh your motive behind what you're doing that. And I, and I know that with the wisdom literature, sometimes you have the A, B, A, B. You always have that contrast that is really 
trying to dig in to the heart of the individual, which I believe is key even throughout almost all of the New Testament as Jesus would come and explain the law to a greater detail. You keep looking at the actions. Here's the heart of it. Why are you doing mm-hmm. this? And if your heart is, is not in it and your heart is wicked, you're, you know, your, your, your words and all this stuff are cool and saying, but your heart is far from me. So right. being that the Lord is weighing in, right, and establishing a, a like the it's like the Lord is evaluating, He's looking right through you. And so mm-hmm. that's why we must be careful with everything that we do as believers. It can look like even preaching, even being on a platform, even witnessing. Are you doing it to be seen? Are you right. the Pharisees standing in the front pre- praying so everybody can see? Are you fasting and making yourself look all beat up and stuff? What are your heart? What is your heart's intentions? And so this really is a challenging verse ver, verse for I believe every believer. Why are you doing what you're doing? Because yeah. even though you say you're going to be doing what you're doing, the Lord's going to weigh your motives and check your spirit. Yeah. Yeah, and it's very it's very um important for us to take that self-reflection as we think about these things cuz here we have these platforms on YouTube. We go out on the streets, we share the gospel. We we put up videos at times where we're out there sharing the gospel and trying to encourage other people to get out and evangelize or to build up other people through this platform here on social media. But we also have to be very careful because it can be very easy for you to fall into, again, trying to justify the reasons behind what you're doing. But as you said, Michael, maybe it's because we just want to be seen. Maybe it's because we just want to be heard. Maybe it's because our motives is we want to make a name for ourselves rather than make much of the name of Christ. And so even those who may have pure motives going into certain things like on these platforms, we have to always be guarding and checking the motives of our own hearts because heart is deceitful above all things who can know it, but God, right? Right. All right. So verse three, we're moving pretty good here. Verse three, let's see, commit to commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. Who wants to jump on that one first? Um, I, first of, I'll go ahead. It's your show. I'll, I'll defer. No, that's fine. <laughs> you can go. Um, first of all, uh, I, I I noticed that in plan one, uh, verse one, we have the word plans and the heart belong to man. And then verse four brings it back around. I believe it's a different Hebrew word, but they kind of mean the same thing. It says your plans will be established as if to say it's a promise or a, a you know, maybe, maybe a, um, a prescription, I would say. But I like that, you know, verse three introduces what I would call an imperative or a command. Commit or trust your works and everything you do to the Lord. Um, put everything that you have, right? Every plan you have in motion, everything that you have, put it towards the Lord. So as it's accomplished, right, the plans will be established. But I, I take from that, that it's not me establishing my plan. It is the Lord establishing the plans for me because I've committed it, those plans to him. So I, I, I going through this proverb is very personal because I, I do have a lot. I feel like I have a lot of ideas and plans. And I can see when I don't commit those plans to the Lord, they don't work out. So this is very personal to see that the the the, the works once again to the to the to the to the to the to the, to the, to the name of the Lord Yahweh. There, commit them to Him, Israel. Commit your plans to them, and all of your plans will be established. So I I, I love that. Yeah, to think about the word commit for a second here, um, and the word in a literal. A literal translation um, would be roll, 
like to roll away, like rolling away a stone. Um, some examples, like in Job 30, 14, those wide, the breach they come amidst the crash they roll on, this kind of this movement. Um, 1 Samuel 14, 33, you have dealt tr trustfully, roll a great stone to me here, kind of have that idea. Um, but in other ways, and kind of, I'll, I'll, I'll bring this around, Psalm 22, 8, he trusts in the Lord. Trust there is the same Hebrew word. Psalm 37, 5, again, translated, commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will act. And kind of the, the usage of this word is this kind of idea of rolling kind of your plans, your burdens onto the Lord. There's this shift of the the plans and how it's going to be and giving it to the Lord rolling kind of in that sense, rolling the burden of these plans. And when we, when we think about how even in, in Western culture, the anxiousness of work, what am I going to do with my life? How do I make my life count the, the work that even the Lord may have called us to whatever that may be. And so you see here this kind of idea of trusting it, entrusting it, maybe a better English kind of way, to the Lord, giving it to Him. And then He establishes the plans. So again, in prayer, coming before the Lord, trusting in His sovereignty and what you want to do, and just entrusting to it, and to then see the plans worked out and then maybe other times more than what you've ever experienced. And just, again, just that trusting in him for what you do, not just job kind of, that's when we think of work, but kind of all of the actions that we have, whether it is parenting or being a disciple in a church and trying to work um, and do things for the glory of God, just all of that, putting that, bringing that to the Lord, resting mm -hmm. him. And again, I mean, it's Lord, it's Yahweh, it's his covenant name. This isn't just Elohim, as if it's far. The Lord means something. That is what his people call him. Mm -hmm. It is Yahweh who makes covenants. And so I think, again, committing yourself to the one who can take care of it, who can burden it and allow you to freely live in this world, to have abundant life without the, the stress and anxiety of what will happen next, trusting in the Lord. Yeah. Amen, man. Now this next verse here, this is one that I go to quite often I, when I'm... Yeah, go ahead, Michael. Can I ask, can I ask something to follow yes, up to? Absolutely. Uh, as, as Mike was talking, I was... I was uh, just looking up the word established and it just kind of um, uh, uh, to his point to where he said to roll and trust over and the word established means to be reliable. So that, you know, putting out the, the idea that the Lord is a covenant keeping God um, in this passage, uh, just to Mike's point, I think that's a great um, would be a, a great safety for us as believers to know that, However, the plans worked out, they're reliable for the Lord. And I know sometimes we always want that to be 
the positive. We always hit the home run. We always do that. Um, but that's an encouragement, even if there's something that happens for the Lord's glory, that it's reliable. It's for his purpose. And that could be losing friends. That could be, you know, like you said, it could be losing a job. It could be something more than what we think. Our our, our viewpoint is always the what we consider the positive, but really it may be something that we don't deem as positive, but that's the reliable plan of the Lord. So I, I think he made an excellent point about covenant keeping God and just really rolling that trust into the Lord. Yeah, absolutely, brother. Now, like I'm saying, this next verse here, verse four, is one I, I bring up often when I'm having this discussion with people. When you talk about the sovereignty of God and salvation and uh, the wicked being created, um, as we read in Romans 9, verses 22 and 23. But here we see it says, The Lord has made everything for its purpose, even the wicked for the day of trouble. And one of the things I've been doing as I've been teaching through Christianity at church uh, in our Sunday school class, which we call Christian Education Hour, um, when we've been teaching through this, I've been saying, look, there's sometimes you're going to run into tensions in the Bible. And one of the things that we as those who hold to a more reformed understanding of, of theology is we don't try to talk away those tensions, like to, to disregard those tensions. We say, look, there's some tensions here. God has created. It says here, the Lord has made everything for its purpose, even the wicked for the day of trouble, yet God is not the author of sin. He doesn't cause those individuals to do those evil actions, but yet they were still created for his glory, for his purpose. I see you nodding your head, Mike. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned Romans 9. I mean, this is exactly what where Paul is pulling from in Exodus. God tells Moses that he raised up Pharaoh to humble him, to judge him. And, and we've talked about this in other ways. God, I think this verse tells us a lot that for one thing, God is in control of all things. And that he establishes, like, the things he does isn't meaningless. Right. Everything has a purpose. Right. Everything is moving along this plan of salvation towards the end in which the sons of God will be revealed and those who hate God will receive their final judgment. And... When we think about this, this should give us comfort in God's sovereignty. And to, to think that there, as R.C. Sproul would say, there is no rogue Adam outside of God's command. And that God is orchestrating all things for his glory. Mm-hmm. And so everything has its purpose. Everything it will do what it is designed to do. And that includes that the wicked will face God's judgment. That God, though merciful and full of steadfast love, will have to judge the wicked. And he will raise them up to show as the heavens declare that he is a just God and the wicked will receive their punishment. Is there anything you want to add, Michael? 
Um, you guys do a wonderful job of explaining the scriptures. Um, I, I'm just uh, really, really, um, really, really uh, encouraged by the 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 totality of how the the writer of of, of, of Proverbs crafts um, scripture, and just the first four words the Lord has made. I mean, just just almost an an excellent reference to Genesis that that mm -hmm. after God had looked at everything He made, and I believe there may be a reference to Ecclesiastes about the Lord uh, having made everything um, and 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 observing what He has made. It, it is it. it if, if you don't get a sense of trust from this scripture, knowing that we've already talked about the, 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 the answer from the Lord and knowing the Lord is weighing the motives and, and rolling your trust into him. And now we're talking about that he's made everything and not only for its own purpose, but for his own purpose to accomplish his will. That um, and it, it goes to the extreme, the, the evil, the wicked mm -hmm. for the day of evil. They have a purpose. Maybe we don't understand it. Maybe right. we don't know it, but having the Lord who has already made everything, why not trust him? Go back to verse three. Why not trust him? He made it. He made everything. Why not put your trust and your complete uh, care of what's going on in your life into him? Because scripture is telling you that he's He's really the only entity, the only sovereign God that can do anything about whatever you're, whatever you're pursuing or going through or planning. That's the source that you need to consult. So I am wonderful that wonderfully just elated going through this passage knowing that scripture is giving you such a strong foundation for your conduct and what you should do and what you should say, that it should govern all of us, no matter where you're at in ministry or what you're doing, whether you're on YouTube or not, the Lord is there. He's made it. Mm -hmm. he's, he's established it. So that's what I have to say. Yeah. And, and that really, trials. go ahead, Michael or Mike. I'll say even in your trials, like your trials yeah. aren't meaningless. They're not right. purposeless. God has designed them. And, I mean, the authors of the New Testament are very clear about this for your godliness. And I think sometimes we have to remember that even the worst things that happen to us is personal, is on God's, has a purpose from God. Right. It's not just meaningless. Yeah. And that's, that's where I was going to go, Mike, is when, when you mentioned that and the idea that we as Christians then, knowing these things, we can completely put our faith and trust in God, our complete confidence, knowing that no matter what comes, the trials, tribulations, the evil, wicked people that come into our, our contact, the people that do harm to us or want to do harm to us uh, or have hatred for us, we can know that this, as you just said, Mike, it's not meaningless that evil that happens in the world, uh, the, 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 the fires that have just, we've had some fires around here lately where some people's homes have burned down or car accidents that I just seen one coming home from work today. These things are not meaningless. We may not fully understand how God is working all these things together for the good of those who love him, but he is. And so we can trust in him and have confidence in that. And, and as Mike said, knowing God has created all this thing, he's made all this, even the evil for a purpose. Right. And and they may not be giving God glory, but he will be glorified through them. You know, does that make sense? Yeah. All right. So verse five, verse five, it says, uh, everyone who is arrogant in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Be assured he will not go unpunished. Michael, we'll come to you first. 
I, I think the biggest takeaway from this, um, obviously the word abomination will jump jump out to anybody who is listening to this. I mean, the, the, the big abomination word, you know, we, we already know what that is and what people uh, will say. And But I, I think the key thing for me here in this verse is that there, there's a there's a group, there's a separation here. There are those who are proud in their heart and those who are not, right? And there's like no middle ground that I see in the text. And you guys can correct me if I'm wrong. But what what's key to me is that it's it, it, and maybe I'm wrong, but it doesn't seem like it's the pride that's the abomination to the Lord. It's the person that is proud in their heart is the abomination to the Lord. And that person will not go unpunished. And I think sometimes we have a tendency to elevate the sin over the sinner. Um, and, and I was always taught God doesn't just send sin to hell. He sends the sinner to hell. So mm -hmm. when we talk about the idea of sin and sinner, we need to kind of make them equal because it's the sinner who gets punished. And here it says the sinner will not go unpunished. And so the abomination is not just the proud or the abomination is not the person, you know, over here. It's a combination that you're proud inside your heart. And because you're proud in your heart, that entire component, the, the man who is wrapped in his own pride, wrapped in his own, uh, for, for lack of a better word, narcissism, wrapped in his own arrogance, whatever the word you want to put there, um, that that's an abomination. That's a disgust to the Lord. It's disgusting. It's, 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 it's a complete, if the Lord had to turn off, that would be it. And so that should humble or make, make some sort of steps to, Look in the mirror and say, okay, how am I prideful? How am I proud? I don't mm -hmm. want to be proud in my heart. It's abomination to the Lord. Let me let me because this is a this is a big verse to me. Yeah. It's a big verse. Uh, everything we had, we, we're, we're, we're a big verse. This is this is the thing that disgusts the Lord right here. You being proud in your heart. And so this is more of a warning uh to me, and not just me looking at the other guy over there or whoever it right. is. It's a it's it's a it's a call out to me. Yeah. And pride, pride is a very tricky sin. It's a tricky sin because we ultimately don't know the intentions and motives of other people. Sometimes we don't even recognize or see the intentions and motives of our own heart, of our own sinfulness, right? That's why it's so important when someone brings it before you and says, hey, brother, it seems that you are acting in pride here. That you should really take a good self-reflection and say, let me examine that because that's a hard sin for one. Because one, I can't tell say to Mike, Mike, you're being prideful. I can say it, you're displaying acts and seems like you're being prideful in the way that your, your conduct or your character is. But I ultimately don't know his intentions of his heart. But it's very important for us, again, to take that self-reflection because there could be pride there that we're just not seeing. And other people are seeing our character, our conduct, the way we're, we're speaking to people or the way that we are elevating ourselves, And therefore... It needs to be addressed, and we would rather, as Christians, we should we we should um, rather have that correction and that self examination. As Paul says, examine yourself, rather than find out that we were an abomination unto the Lord. Maybe not even saved because we were acting upon this pride that was in our heart, as you said, Michael. Not just the sin of pride, but that's what's in my heart. That's who I am, right? And so that's a very very serious thing, Michael or Mike. Anything? Want to add? Yeah. I mean, I think Michael's right. Um, it is narrowing a group. There is kind of this either or either you are 
arrogant or you're not. That's kind of your two options. You can't be like somewhat arrogant. Um, but I think also like thinking through this, this idea of arrogant is one who's exalting himself. And why this would become an abomination to the Lord is because you're exalting yourself, not the Lord. You're breaking the commandment to have no other gods before Yahweh. This is, I mean, this is worshiping the cre the creature yourself over the creator. What, and we know that God is a jealous God. He does not share his glory with another. So for someone to exalt himself, thinking he is equal with or better than God, of course it's an abomination. There is no one like our triune God. Nothing in the heavens above, on the earth, or in the or in the oceans below the earth. There is nothing that compares to God. And so the arrogant thinks they are God. They act like the devil mm. who tried to make himself like God. And we saw how that goes. He was punished and will be punished. And so the, the assurance that they will not go punish just shows that God takes his glory seriously. He doesn't share it with another. And, and I think you have, we have to have this kind of assurance out to it because people who are arrogant, who prop themselves up against God may not feel, they may not see God's judgment while they are alive. Hmm. But we are told they will not they will not go unpunished. God will punish them. Maybe not in this life, but he will punish them in the second death. Yeah, and that's the thing sometimes it can be quick to to think about when we even when we read the psalmists where they say, why are these wicked people prospering and all this good stuff is happening to them and they're not being punished for what they're doing? And yet we are here suffering as those who are seeking to be faithful uh, to, to following the Lord. But that's, again, God is working all these things. He's in control of all these things. And so we can trust that while we may not see justice this side of the, the uh, uh, eternity for some wicked people, it will come. It will come. All right, so moving on to verse 6. By steadfast love and faithfulness, iniquity is atoned for. And by the fear of the Lord, one turns away from evil. Mike, we'll come to you first. Yeah, so just to kind of define, I think atone here is not our atonement in Christ, though it's representative. Like we can see that in our atonement for Christ. But I do think, I mean, because we've been atoned by Christ, but I think in our earthly estate, when we have sinned someone against someone, showing steadfast love and faithfulness helps to – it shows our repentance of what we did. It shows that we acknowledge we have gone wrong and seeks to rebuild that relationship. Obviously, this 
uh, applies to the atonement that we receive from God through Christ. That in kind of his steadfast love and faithfulness, he atones our sins, though we don't deserve it. Um, but I think this does call for us to live a godly life and to admit, admit that we have wronged someone, that we've sinned against them, and to seek to restore that relationship. And I think it's added on to that, by the fear of the Lord, one turns away from evil, so that us following the Lord, us finding wisdom in the Lord, seeing how he is, seeing how he acts and trying to imitate that, we turn away from what is evil, which allows us to have that steadfast love and faithfulness to our fellow humans that we may have sinned against. Yeah. Michael, anything you want to add? Michael, I think you're on mute, man. Sorry about that. I think the, I think okay. the last part of the verse is um is very very um important for us that and I want to be careful how I say this, but individuals who seem to display evil characteristics and say that they fear the Lord to me are lying because it doesn't appear that you can reverence the Lord, reverence the covenant keeping God here and continue to do evil on a regular basis. And that's any type of evil. Um, and I think that's key to in our own devotional lives and in our own lives that we spend time with the Lord, that our reverence will, as the scripture says here, keep us away from evil, keep us away from doing evil. And I think it's very hard to see individuals just put up the facade that they really fear the Lord. And that we are just not anybody, me, let's take myself. It's very hard for me to say, tell uh, my conviction or my confession to be evident that I fear the Lord. I reverence him. I honor him. And I do evil on a consistent basis. Mm. And that is very, very troubling to me to see that behavior in any believer, including myself, man in the mirror first um, reference that I would even try to confess that because I believe that my my actions are going to show whether my confession is genuine or not. And I think this should point to a heavy devotion and a heavy concentration on getting in the Lord's presence through prayer and through the studying of his word and even through some um, fellowship with other believers. This is a, a little side note. I can tell you now that where I'm at here today, if I did not know two people Ricky Caldwell or Ricky Gans, either I would have been done done some crazy stuff by now. But you guys always admonish me um, to to hey, you know, keep keep it holy. You know, remember who you're working for. You guys, you two, the two Ricks. You always, you guys always admonish me that if you say that you trust the Lord and you're a blood bought believer, here's the things that you won't do, and here's why you won't do it. And so I see in this verse, while it's important to fear the Lord and reverence the Lord. Cause that's what keeps you from evil is that his, your true, you're putting in perspective that his judgment and his punishment is probably worse than any evil you can do or run into. Mm. So I, I, I think that's key for me in that verse. 
Yeah. I think and even going into to verse seven here, as, as we think about this, carrying over when a man's ways please the Lord. So one who is one who fears the Lord and this man is seeking to uh, all of his ways, all of his actions, all of his deeds, all of his thoughts. He's seeking to please the Lord. Right. He makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. Right. And this is one of those things. Again, we've we talked about this in the beginning. Michael, you brought this up. We've said it before in the past, uh, going through Proverbs, that these aren't automatic guarantees that everything here is going to come out exactly like this. But these principles do apply. They do apply. So if you're seeking to please the Lord, your your enemies will even be at peace with you. You don't have to justify or you don't have to defend. You don't have to to work. You, all you got to do is is dedicate focus walk in the ways of the lord again as it was brought up earlier walking in the ways of the upright those who are seeking to be righteous before the lord knowing obviously that it is not our righteousness it's christ's righteousness that is now in us been imputed to us but if you're seeking to please the lord you don't have to worry about those things you don't have to worry about it mike yeah i think this also emphasizes that that when we seek to please the lord part of our ways in pleasing the Lord is to be a peacemaker mm. and to be at peace with people. I mean, blessed is the peacemaker for he, he will have the kingdom of God. Yeah. And when we act like the Lord, when we try to please the Lord, we are by definition going to seek peace and resolution. And so that, even our enemies, as, I mean, as much as Jesus' enemies hate him and they'll eventually kill him, there was some semblance of peace. There wasn't, you don't see them fighting like um, Romeo and Juliet. They aren't, the disciples and Jesus aren't killing people. And so you see this kind of, in a, in a in our lives that even when we seek to please God when we seek to act rightly there is peace we have peace i mean think of king david when he's ruling rightly there is peace in the land mm -hmm. solomon there is peace from their enemies they're not i mean there's still skirmishes and stuff but in general they're at peace and I mean, it's because of that peace that Solomon writes Proverbs. You only write Proverbs when there's peace in the land. And, and that's just how it's happened historically. It's not just Israel's peace, but even Egyptian Proverbs are written when Egypt is at peace with the other nations. And so when we think about the, that God is not only one who tries to make peace with those his enemies in the salvation through his son he's called his people to be peacemakers and so when we please god when we act like god we make and try to make peace with others yeah michael anything you want to add to that um you guys yeah. said it pretty good i i think the the two things that um that i see from that are one and, may, and like you said, this, this may not be a prescription for ev for everybody, but I mean, the word here, it seems to indicate in the Hebrew that these are going to be personal enemies, not just a bunch of enemies out there. They're actually going to be personal enemies. And then the other point that I I, I see is, is that um, 
it, it is how, how can I say this? Because sometimes I want to say stuff, but I don't want to be I don't want to be uh, making an assumption. Um, I feel like there's a I feel like there's a condition here, and I feel like when you see something in text, you also have to look at the opposite and maybe evaluate why people or why would people you consider your enemies are not at peace with you, right? I'm, I'm kind of looking at the opposite and asking the question. When have I had moments when people that I would consider my enemies or just people that are enemies, uh, I believe, of maybe the cross or maybe enemies of what whatever is going on, why would they not be at peace with me? Um, and to, to your point, if your ways are not pleasing to the Lord, right, and if your ways are not honoring him and you're not at peace with God, then it's, it's just not going to happen that an individual is going to have peace with you. And to your point, I still have to please the Lord in my own personal life, not seek revenge, not seek retribution, not seek vengeance on my own and still have to, and still myself when people are not seeing the working fruit in my life, I still have to make an attempt to be at peace, to do please the Lord. So whether they're at peace with me or not, I mean, like you said, this is not a prescription. You can please the Lord and people are still going to be mad at you. But in my own personal life, let me just look at me. Whether they're of a peaceful nature or not, I still have to make an effort to be pleasing to the Lord because they may still be my enemy when this is over. I may pray for them. I may I may intercede for their family. I may intercede for their ministry, their church, whatever. They still may never be at peace with me. That may not be that I'm not pleasing the Lord. That may be something in their own personal life. So I need to, as you said, be a peacemaker at all times and seek to be a peacemaker. So, yeah. And and as we, we know from the scripture that if, if you... There's going to be enemies of Christ, enemies of the cross that are going to hate the message. But as Christians, one of the things when we go out on the streets to evangelize and we get up and preach on the streets, we've run into so many people that go out there and they're angry street preachers. They're yelling at people. They're calling people names. You want to do everything in your power. Everything in, in now we know everything's under the 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 um, sovereignty of God, but we're still responsible. We want to do everything in our power, as it's been said, to be at peace with people. I, I'm not going out there to bash somebody. I'm not going out there to name call or be a jerk for Jesus. I'm going out there because I want to hear, want to see people come to know Jesus Christ. I give them the gospel. And I seek to be at peace. It doesn't mean I compromise truth. It doesn't mean I partner with heretics or things like that. But I'm also trying to be faithful to God, faithful to the truth, and at peace with all men to the best of my ability. And that's what God's calling us to do. Anything else you guys want to add or we will move on to the next verse? Let's move on. All right. So move we on. are... I think we're making... I think we're making great time for Baptist people. Yeah, it's a good time. <laughs> All right, so verse 8, it says, Better is a little with righteousness than great revenues with injustice. Michael, we'll come to you first. Man, this is, you know, we're, now we're, I like when we're transitioning out of the first eight verses going into um, the next set of verses, as you mentioned the paragraph at the beginning. But just, this is a... a um, a, 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 to me, a weighty verse in the sense of um, knowing that the righteousness that you have, that which belongs to Christ, can go a lot further um, than the stuff that you acquire with injustice and and you know great specifically here named great income because I know we'll we'll make a transition um, towards the end of this into some monetary uh, uh, um, 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 uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for just some monetary references but this is. 
um, to me speaking, at least in, in my life, and I try to look at what scripture says, but look at how, how it's applied to me, is knowing that the little bit that I acquire by following what the Lord's uh, mandates are for my character and my conduct and the upright will go further and will will we'll accomplish more if we go all the way back up to having your own plans, committing your ways to the Lord, also uh, having uh, an understanding that the Lord has has made everything. Even the wicked will have their own day in the day of righteousness, um, knowing that the, the fear that I have, those things in my eyes are great in our in our in our conversation. But to the world, that doesn't seem like a lot. To the world, that actually seems like little. You don't have the big name. You don't have the, the riches. You don't have the car. So in the world's eyes, to me, I see the contrast that a lot of the things that the world considers important are not the things that we consider. Our, our things may be seen as little. And so in this passage, in this transition that we're going out of this paragraph, um, just keeping in mind that, um, and please forgive the the the, the, the cliché, it's, we're not trying to win the war. We 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 just we're we're vessels. There may be some small little victories we have now and then, but it's not our job to be this big. Our job is just to follow scripture and go as Christ leads us. Take whatever little bit of of strength or whatever He gives us and use that to make much of the name of Christ. And so in this verse, that's what I'm 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 getting from that. Yeah, Mike. Yeah, I do think even when we think about it in financial terms, the being kind of poor and rich, there is kind of this, I think this idea of it's better to kind of be trusted to act rightly, to act in accordance to God's law and have nothing, to be kind of content in that way but to to be one who is trustworthy and righteous and kind of in that sense living life abundantly in what God has given to you where the ones who have unjustly gained lots of money there is this and this worry even people who um, they may not have what we think of great revenue, but who have gained stuff unjustly, whether it was stolen or schemed or however it may be. There's, there's anxiety, but also as we've kind of mentioned, the Lord will, the Lord will judge their way, their hearts. God knows and God gave us, gave us a conscience. And so the conscience is gnawing at them, at the injustices that they've committed. And so I think there is kind of, in one way, better to have a clear conscience and have nothing than have a guilty conscience and have the riches of the world. Yeah. Amen. And just the, the quality of life that the one who has little has. It's not all about the riches. Mm -hmm. It's about how we act in our conscience. And I mean, I realize this may sound somewhat Pelagian and obviously people on the show know I'm not a, a Pelagian, oh, no. you know, <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> but 
or even, I mean, I feel like at times I sound like a prosperity gospel preacher. And, but I think there is the enjoyment of life is what God created us for. Yeah. And I don't think we let them hijack the truths from scripture. Yeah. yeah. And, and so I think this is what it's telling us. It's better to have little and to be right before God and to act rightly than it is to be one who has riches will, will face the judgment of God in the last days and how those play on our hearts and how that reacts and what we do matters. And so, yeah, I think you, when we think about better is little with righteousness is just when we trust that God, when we gain things righteously, we have a clear conscience and we're allowed to live life abundantly. Yeah. All right. So as we look at verse nine, <clears throat> this is one we've, we've already kind of talked about this. So we're just going to read it and we'll kind of move on to, to the next verse here. Uh, because it says the heart of a man, the heart of man plans his ways, but the Lord establishes his footsteps or his steps. So again, we've got these bookends. We're moving in now to verse 10. It says an Oracle is on the lips of a King, but his mouth does not sin in judgment. Mike, we'll come to you first. Yeah, I think, um, when we think about this, um, kind of the idea of the Oracle is, um, we can think of maybe Daniel when Daniel has, or is in, able to interpret the King's dreams, the Oracle there, or even, um, Joseph in Egypt, um, that these are in this sense coming from God in righteous for righteousness um, and dealing with his judgment. When he, when a King rightly judges, he does not sin. Uh, I mean, even the authors take Solomon and with the two prostitutes and the child and this test of his wisdom and when he pronounces the judgment, he's not sinning and we see what happens that the truth prevails. I think so when we, we think about, and so we're moving in, in our context, I think when we think about our, and obviously it's not always true, but that when the courts get a case, right, the, the judgment is correct. Um, there is no sin in, in what they have done. Now, if they do not get the judgment correct, again, that shows for whatever reason, the bribery or whatever happened um, to be part of that. So I think when we think about when justice is served in this case by the king in our context the court we should see them as not sinning that they have found the truth yeah now i kind of made a mistake here because i was gonna lump these three verses together um 10 11 or 10 11 12 13 so four verses here so let me read those and we'll go to michael and then uh, Mike, if you want to add anything to those other verses when we come back, we'll do this. Because it's talking about this justice and the, the equal 
scales and whatnot. So um, <clears throat> I read verse 10. Here's 11, 12, and 13. Adjust balance and scales are the Lord's all are the Lord's all the weights in the bag are his work. It is an abomination to Kings to do evil for the throne is established by righteousness. Righteous lips are a delight of the King and he loves him who speaks what is right. So Michael, we'll come to you. I know that's a lot there, but this is all kind of going together. Uh, And then Mike, we'll come back to you. If there's anything you wanted to add to those other verses that I'm sorry, I I wanted to do that all together. Just like the next two verses, put those two together as well. So. Yeah, I think there's a really a reiteration here of stuff that um, we've already uh, talked about, but changing context a little bit. But the one thing I I see in in all of this is we still have the responsibility in our conduct to err on the right side of judgment. But I think we're we're given a reason because the verse eleven says that the just and balanced scales belong to the Lord, um, right? And that all of the weights of that bag and the and the, and the scales are of His concern. And then we are are we are we have the word abomination come back up again about committing wicked acts time in the 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 uh, confines or the reference to kings. And the throne is established once again on righteousness, which we've already mentioned. Uh, the righteous lips are delighted to kings, and he who speaks right is loved. So once again, the speaking right of this king is loved, right? And then uh, well, we'll stop right there. I think in all of this, our conduct is guided by not only our affirmation, not only, um, it, you know, in regards to the, the courts and everything, it's still in God's control, mm-hmm. right? And that's that's where I believe our conduct should be mandated and where we can take, take from the Proverbs the things that will apply to our lives is that regardless of, you know, where you're at regarding wisdom, where you're at regarding the, 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 the uh, reference to Solomon and the, the, uh, the two women, um, they feared they feared that judgment because they knew that was a wise decision and that it, it, it communicated God's justice. And so it, in all of this, I feel like it's just reiterating what we've discussed, but it's kind of changed the reference point to, to give you the same picture in a more concentrated area, at least in my observation. And the one thing that I think that uh, is key is that if we are to even let's just take a wider viewpoint. If we are even to evaluate this from the standpoint of verses one through nine seem to speak to an individual man. And then verses, like you said, 10, 11, or, uh, uh, 12, 13, now they move to speaking about a king, right? I, I, that still leaves God at the top. Um, mm-hmm. So no matter whether you're down here or, uh, or in the middle or up here, I believe it still speaks to the Lord being in control. And the Lord's still letting you know, you know, no matter what level you may be at, you still have to answer to me. You still have to say my words. You still have to have my conduct. You still have to carry yourself away because all of it belongs to me. Everything was made. And if you choose not to be what I would call on the right side of what the scriptures have laid out, according to previous verse, there's a day of evil coming for those who do wicked. And so mm-hmm. that's what I think from those three verses, changing the reference or changing the scenery of Proverbs uh, 16. Yeah. And when we look at the governors, we look at kings here as being mentioned, these are God's ordained ministers to bring about justice. 
So as you said, Michael, in the, the first couple of verses, thinking about man reflecting upon himself, how we should live out our lives in the light in, in light of who we are under as far as governing officials and, and who we are around as our neighbors and whatnot. Now, this is what what good rulers should be doing. And when they don't, again, when there's wicked rulers, we know again that God is still in control, still sovereign over it. Mike, is there anything with those extra verses that I threw in there that you wanted to uh, add into that? Yeah, I think you see here God blessing the righteousness of the kings, um, that they're doing what is good, what is right, as God's messengers for judgment, and that the king also blesses those who are righteous towards him. There's other verses about the king that destroys the unfaithful envoy. Think of Proverbs 13, verses 17, I think it's 17, um, 16 or 17. Like in that, um, with that, and I think that it also shows us that the king, though the highest person in the land, the one in control of government, is not above righteousness. They don't make what is righteous they deal with the righteousness that God has given us, that what is good and honoring to it. I mean, in verse 12, it is an abomination to kings to do evil, for the throne is established by righteousness. Evil kings get destroyed. Look at Israel. Look what happened to the Northern Kingdom. They continually did evil and were destroyed. Judah had a longer kingship because there were actual kings who loved the Lord. And God established their thrones a little bit longer in light of David. And so I think we see just God's blessing on a nation, on a king who deals rightly, who seeks righteous judgment. And as Americans, we should think about that when we go to the polls. Will this leader establish justice? Will they establish the righteousness a nation needs? And that should, and so whether that is with the pro-life issues or gun control or however that may be, as we think about these issues, think about what is right and just, not that we're Americans and we have freedoms and, and whatever that may entail on these different issues, but that we should seek wisdom to from the Lord to pick leaders who were established righteousness in the land to honor those who do good and to punish those who do evil. Yeah. All right. And these next two verses, they go together as well. 14 and 15. Uh, and we'll come to you first, Michael. Uh, verse 14 says a King's wrath is a messenger of death and a wise man will appease it in the light of a King's face. There is life and his favor is like the clouds that bring the spring rain. Um, just once again, 
um, elevating the leading into the next two verses, um, the desire to have the wisdom of the Lord and to demonstrate through the verse 14 how um, wisdom can, what it says in my Bible, uh, uh, NASB, um, that it will offset the, the fury of a king. Um, and it's like a messenger of death. Um, there, there, I know this once again, it's King reference talking of maybe talking leadership government, but knowing that, that the wisdom is able to offset that and the wisdom is able to make amends for, um, that level of, of fury and that anger should be, I, I feel like it should be a desire of those who say they fear and honor the Lord is that they would desire to have that type of godly wisdom that can offset that that level of fury, that level of rage or whatever it may be. And as we've said a few times, it's, it's not a prescription. You may not get that same result every single time, but just to have that desire um, is what I believe is so, should be somewhat um, on the forefront of everyone's mind um, as believers. Yeah. All right, so um, Mike, sorry, we'll see if anything you wanted to add. Yeah, I think we can see it as king and the government and the wrath of doing, assuming an injustice, God's wrath, that the king's wrath is a messenger of death, but the wise men are able to appease it, atone it, propitiation may be a good word to use at this point with it. And I think we think about that, that that should bring us to the gospel truth, that God's wrath is a messenger of death. The true, and in one sense, the truer messenger of death. That when God's wrath falls on the unbeliever, they will die. They will face the judgment of God and spend eternity separated from him, from his goodness, feeling only his wrath and judgment. And a wise man, empowered by the Spirit, sees that and turns. And in one sense, we can say the wise man that will appease it is not us, but the Son. That Christ, the wise man, appeased it. He is our propitiation for our sins. And that we yeah. don't have to face the wrath of God. When we, we think about this, there's, there's one sense in which in the earthly sphere, as wise men, we try to appease the, the wrath of so we do not face it from the king. We try to make amends. Try to do, we see our wrongs and we try to correct it. But ultimately there is a king's wrath that we cannot appease apart from a righteousness of another. And to think deeply about what that means, that the wrath of God, the messenger of death, killed incarnate son and that it was appeased for us when we believe and trust 
in him for our salvation. And, and the, the depths of riches to think about that. I think, again, here's the Proverbs given us gospel truths to think about written years before when all of these were just shadowy figures on the ground. Yeah. And some other examples. I mean, you brought up Christ ultimately as this uh the, the, the perfect example for all things, right? Um, but we think of Esther coming before King Xerxes. We think of Jehoiakim. He was the king of Judah, and he was granted mercy by uh, the king of Babylon. And you think of Daniel with Nebuchadnezzar. Um, on behalf of these, these mes- this messenger of wrath, this messenger of, of, of death, and these men going on behalf of, of the people. And so <clears throat> let's move on to verse 16 here. Uh, Verse 16 says, How much better to get wisdom than gold? To get understanding is to be chosen rather than silver. Now, these three, the the next two verses here, we're going into this. um, Well, this verse here, we're going into this wisdom over money, wisdom over this wealth. And so to get wisdom, I mean, that's better than having these riches. We we kind of talked about this already already earlier. You know, um, if you're walking righteously and you have um no health no no uh money not a lot of 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 material things so be it that's a better place to be right not that god can't grant or give to one uh wealth if if it is in his his will to do so but to get wisdom and i'm losing my place here get wisdom is better than than this gold so to get understanding is better than or better it is to get understanding is to be chosen rather than silver. So better to have this wisdom, better to have understanding than it is to have that. Michael, anything you want to add? Yeah. Um, the thing that jumps out to me is the, the B part of the verse where it says to, to get wisdom is to be chosen. Um, it, you know, as to say that there may be many other options out there for individuals that can have, um, cheers, or whatever you desire. But in all of that, to have the wisdom or the ability to have the understanding or the capacity to know and have the knowledge that God would desire you to have, um, it's better to have that. And I believe um, in our own lives that wisdom will, let's just say you were blessed with some extra riches or something, you would need riches and you would need wisdom and understanding if you were to given whatever you were given mm-hmm. from a large standpoint to actually navigate and handle that. Even if it was just large responsibility, if you don't have wisdom, you don't have understanding, you don't have the capacity to, to, to handle what you've been given, whatever it is, it's not just making a monetary thing, but that's what it's saying, that you would desire to have the tools you need to handle whatever it is. If you don't have wisdom, you're not going to handle responsibility right. If you don't know what to do with 25 cents, you're not going to know what to do with $25. You're not going to know what to do with $25,000, whatever it, you know amount you give. So looking at be part of the verse, it's to be chosen. It's to be something to be desired. It's a contrast, the entire first half of the verse between those who are upright and those who are wicked. And up until this point, we've been told what happens and we've been shown through the first nine verses going into the next 10 verses, we've been shown what happens without those things. We've been shown the pride that can occur and the wicked things that will happen. They're not reverence and honoring the Lord. These two items, wisdom and understanding, should be sought out. 
We should choose them. Once again, they may not yield every person the same result, but to have the desire to want to have those things over gold and silver should be a, 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 like a priority for us because I believe that whatever we are given or whatever we are, are, are placing our responsibility, we'll know how to handle it. And so that's what I get from those verses. Yeah. Mike, anything you want to add? Yeah, I think just to to expound on that more, I mean, you kind of see kind of two different scenarios. The first is, is almost like a gift that you get something, someone is giving it to you. And that, and telling us, it's better to get wisdom than to get earthly things. And that... So there is kind of that idea of in our lives to to get wisdom. But then as Michael was saying, the, the flip side, the other side of that is now my mindset on that. Do I choose to go for wisdom or understanding or do I choose to go for these physical things that moth would destroy? And to to think about what is better in this life. And as the Proverbs show throughout, that it is wisdom that is better than riches. To be wise is to be better than to have things. In fact, having things tend to bring about problems that wisdom does not bring about. And... It's wisdom that helps us to navigate the life under the sun. Gold and silver can be lost and taken away, but wisdom cannot. What, what's better? Well, it's, it's wisdom. It's understanding. It's knowing how to live in God's world and not the physical things that we may receive in God's world. Ultimately, it's it's better to choose God because that's where wisdom and understanding is found than the than the created things of God. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's move on to verse 17 here. It says, <clears throat> The highway of the upright turns aside from evil. Whoever guards his way preserves his life. It's practical wisdom here, right? I mean, you see a dangerous place in town or whatever. You just, you don't go there uh, unwisely. You don't, you don't make these decisions to go down a dangerous path. You, you turn from that, right? Um, but whoever guards his way preserves his life. And we, we see this. We see this. Uh, I know as, again, I, and I bring this up because this is one of the things that uh, I, I've done a lot of uh, is evangelism, right? And so, when I go out there, if I have nobody with me, I have to be wise in where I go and what I do. Uh, and, and so it's just exercising wisdom, practicing discernment in your life. Not, going, not that you can't go into dangerous areas or places, because we do, but we do it with wisdom. We do it uh, exercising that discernment as we are going forth in, in life. Uh, in every decision that we're making and, and every decision that we do, we have to practice, practice and exercise that, that wisdom. Uh, Michael. And in, in light of the passage, um, 
because we're talking about the contrast of the upright and wicked, um, I believe it's not only um, it says it, the, the highway of the right is to depart from evil one, and he who watches his way preserves his life. And what I'm getting here is uh, in the Hebrew, and I'm just looking it up. It says that to maintain safety from injury, hurt, harm, and danger. And the word life here may be soul um, to keep your soul safe. Now I know we can't eternally. Um, uh, in, in, you guys be be liberal with me. You know I don't have the theological acting. You guys, but we 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 you know our soul. Is, is something that God has given us according to what Genesis teaches us and what the scripture teaches us. And so I believe that in preserving our soul, there's only so much we can do in the sense of a, a, from, a, from a bigger picture. I think in a smaller picture, to keep ourselves out of harm's way and keep ourselves out of the things that are talked about in the wicked in the previous verses, as you said, departing from evil, right? And how do we stay away from evil? According to the previous verses, we we are fearful of the Lord. We reverence the Lord, right? I believe that a part of the the safety that we preserve ourselves is it's the destruction of the Lord from from sinful tendencies that we commit, and so uh, from sinful practices that we engage in, and from sinful mindsets that we engage in. And we talked about how the judgment of the Lord is coming. And I think Mike pointed out earlier. Um, and I think actually Rick pointed out that sometimes consequences won't be on the other side, this side, they may be on the other side, but flipping that around, sometimes our consequences will be over here too. And we may say or do something or, or think something or, or, or offend a brother that, that we have to pay for, that we have to pay for with the consequence we're not ready to accept. So I think in this passage, as far as ap applicational to my life is watching where I go, as you say, not just for the safety of my physical safety, but even for my spiritual safety. Like there's just some places I may not be called to go minister to. There's right. my, there might be some places that I'm just not, that's not my lane. I shouldn't be over here doing this because maybe a deficiency or weakness in my own heart. And so having that previous verse, wisdom and understanding, no, you can't go over here or no, you can't fellowship with that individual or no, you're not called to minister in that area because of the own deficiencies and weakness that you have. And if you know that, then don't 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 go out in a place that that you are going to reap some consequences on your own because you weren't wise and because you didn't think it through or going all the way back up because you didn't commit your work to the Lord or you didn't put your plans before me. You just went out there and gung ho and you're out here doing this and you're will you're just doing whatever you want. And so I'm looking at it from not just the physical sense, but from the spiritual sense. Yeah. Most of us know we're about to get in trouble. We, we we might as well stop fronting and stop acting like I didn't I didn't know I was gonna cuss him out. I didn't know I was gonna bust him in the mouth. I didn't know I was gonna get mad. No, we know the things that irritate us. We know, like you said, Ricky, you got a patience for, for open air and gospel preaching. I'm not built for it. I tried it once, I almost went to jail. I'm not doing it again <laughs> until I figure it out. But I I, I tried it. I went to went, went downtown to talk to the Muslims. It didn't work. We was about to go be I'll be out there scrapping. So I'm not calling it. I tried to go talk to the Hebrew Israelites once and they had almost had to call police. I'm not built for that. But the but the the, the 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 point I'm getting to is that not just watching out, as you said, for our physical safety as well, mm -hmm. but I'm also talking about our spiritual our, just okay, where's my soul at when I go over here to do this? You know, if I'm going to talk to an individual that's going to take me out of my character, maybe I should ask the Lord for somebody to go with me or a better perspective or a better understanding or, or wisdom. How can I deal with this? And so yeah. I think that's how I read it as well.
That's a, that's an excellent point as well, brother, because when you, when you think about this, um, I've seen this and, and sadly, um, we're in SBC churches, but I've, I've also seen with the planting of SBC churches and people wanting to have, I shouldn't just say SBC, but some of these, um, analogies that I'm about to bring up, I know, sorry, but some of these analogies that I'm about to bring up are, are not analogies. These are actual things that I've seen people saying, well, I have these ministry and, and I'm doing this ministry where we go into bars and we speak to people. Now, some people, like you said, Mike, they may be able to do that and not have a problem. But if you struggle with alcohol, if you struggle with uh, other kinds of things that you may see in a bar, then you probably shouldn't go in there spiritually because it's it's tempting the flesh that you may fall into sin, fall into some serious, grievous sin that will grieve the spirit. And so yeah, that's party. an excellent point. Yep, that's an excellent, excellent point, brother. Um, Mike. What would you want to add? Yeah, I think, you know, like as both of you have said, I do think this maybe probably gears more to um, evils in connection with sin and that the righteous turn away from sin and that whoever guards his way against sin, who tries to recognize sin as what it is, preserves his life. There is some sins that lead to death as John would say in first John. And that as Christians, we should be always vigilant about the sin around us that can easily ensnare us and to, to protect and guard it. So we do not get entangled with the sin we are called to cast off. And in that way, we preserve our life by the power of the Spirit. Yeah, absolutely. Now, we have made it to our final verse. I know we've gone a bit over here than our normal time. We usually try to keep it at an hour. Um, but hey, like like Michael said, we're Baptists here, so you know you could be very long-winded. We've, we've kind of not kept it under an hour, I think, the last couple shows. So um, here we go, our final verse. We'll go with you, Mike, first, and then Michael will give you the final word. Uh, on this program here with this verse. Um, and so we got pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah. I mean, just think about Nebuchadnezzar, the writing on the wall, a prideful man who disgraces God. And that night is judged for it. I mean, we can use this first for this month and, you know, all of that may be. But in reality, pride exalts ourselves and sets us up for failure. When we exalt ourselves, we prime ourselves for destruction. The haughty spirit before the fall. When we exalt ourselves... God will bring us down because we're not sinless and sin destroys. And when we even think about Adam and considering that kind of in one sense, pride is the root of all of our sin that we think we know better and act and that will always lead to our downfall. When we think we're the best, it sets us up on a wobbly foundation to be destroyed. 
And how many, I mean, just in pop culture, the pride of people and then their sins come out and their disgrace, they're, they're gone. They're no longer, they're, they're shunned. And that's worldly. Now think about haughty people, prideful people before God, who is the just judge. And you think you can go to him sinless? I think it just, it shows us to consider that we are not perfect people and God is. God can rightly be proud because he is no sin. There is no mm. sin in him. And he is the sustainer of all things. And yet we are sustained by him. So there is nothing we can do that we can say or exalt ourselves in because it's all given to us by God. So when we do exalt ourselves as if we are God, we prime ourselves for not only destruction in this life, but destruction in the next. Yeah. You know, Matthew Henry says, let us not fear the pride of others, but fear the pride in ourselves. And so, Michael, final word, brother. Last verse here. Wow. Well, what am to close out on? You do me dirty like that, huh? All right. Let's see how we're doing. Um, let, let, let us um, just as a quick review, look at, you know, what these previous 17 verses have already communicated to us. And eight, maybe 18 is the, the kind of exclamation point on the entire um, uh, uh, conversation about the upright and the wicked. Uh, we know that the Lord will, in, in 1B, uh, that he will answer, um, and his answer is from him. We know that the Lord weighs our motives. He examines our spirit. He examines why we do everything we do. He will establish our plans when we commit um, our ways to him. He's made everything, even the wicked for the day of evil. Uh, the, verse 5 is key. The proud in the heart, the proud in the heart, they are, or we are, because I don't want to make it just about everybody else and, you know, mm. not include me in it, are an abomination to the Lord and will not go unpunished. And the fear of the Lord keeps us from wisdom. Going down to verse 8, having a little bit, as you guys stated, with, 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 with righteousness and a clean heart is better than unjust gains and unjust means by a lot uh, of, of, of wickedness and injustice and switching over uh, – to the idea of government, knowing that all of the righteousness has to be, all of the the the, the thrones are established on on the on righteousness, and knowing that the just scales belong to the Lord. Just going through the entire contrast leading up to verse eighteen, knowing that wisdom is what we should pursue, and and understanding is what we pursue. Verse eighteen is like the, the like here. If you guys didn't get it now, here it is. If you're prideful in your heart, right. That, and and that, just know that that where there's pride, potentially, here's what's coming, and it's destruction. And it's coming from the Lord. I have no ability to destroy a prideful man. I have no ability to exercise execution of judgment or anything on an individual, right, who is prideful in their heart. Because as pointed out, you're, you're, you're making yourself an idol and you're elevating yourself above the things that God has ordained in the scripture that you do not do. 
And so your decline in, in 18B is because your spirit is haughty. And because your high spirit, your proudfulness, your arrogance, you're not reverencing the Lord, your 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 lips not being uh, 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 pure and you not being righteous as it all leads to destruction. That's what it leads to. And maybe maybe in that sense, and I know we've said it two, three times now, this may not be a prescription for everybody. But I maybe you guys can correct me if I'm wrong. I think 18 might be just for anyone who's proud. I be I believe 18 might just be an absolute. It might just be the prescription. If you're proud in your heart and you have a Holy Spirit, there's only two things waiting for you. A serious decline, and after your decline or before your decline, there's destruction. And it's destruction from the Lord, whether it's in this life or the next life. That's what's waiting for you. And so if any one of us, me, uh, Ricky, Mike, anyone watching gets the notion that we should hold on to our pride, we should elevate ourselves in the eyes of man. We should make our defense more uh, uh, visible than the defense of the name of Christ. Or we make our cause greater than the cause of Christ. There's nothing waiting for us but destruction. And if you can read this text and continually go on your own way, doing your own stuff, may God have mercy on your soul and we're praying for you. And we're praying for you not that you would fall. We're praying for you that you would be restored, that you would repent, and there before the grace of God go us. And so that is my uh, uh, summarization of what I see is in verse 18. Everything else may be subjective. It may be uh, occasional. But verse 18 to me is a lock. I get in myself and I get in my pride. There's nothing waiting for me but destruction. And if not this life, it's coming in the next life. And that's all I can say about it. Yeah. Well said, brother. Well said. We want to thank you for coming on the program and co-hosting us uh, program with us tonight as we look through the Proverbs. And for you, the listener, we we hope and we pray that this show was edifying to you, that it was encouraging to you, that it was challenging, not just to you, but even to us here as we look through the scriptures and we seek to apply the wisdom that God has given us in his word to our lives, that we would walk upright, that we would walk in according to the spirit and not according to the flesh, that we would live out our lives seeking to glorify the Lord and make much of his name, not, not my name, not our name at G220 Radio, but much of his name. That's what we want to do. So if you have any questions, comments, concerns, you can email us at g220radio at gmail.com. If you have any prayers, any anything that you would want to hear us talk about, you can email us again at g220radio.com and we would love to interact with you. That's been G220 Radio for tonight. And next week we will be back with Proverbs 16, going through verses 19 through 33, uh, ending out this chapter as we move through this book of Proverbs. From Mike and Michael, we thank you for joining us tonight. God bless. God bless.